You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, we certainly enjoyed Saturday's game as the Ohio State Buckeyes got uh, a pretty impressive win over the Iowa Hawkeyes to open the second half of the season. But what did we learn about Ohio State as they've now gone 7-0 and here to start the campaign and finally got a little bit of a revenge win after not having played Iowa in five years? I think there definitely are some uh, individual things that we can take away from this game as we project forward what's going to happen for Ohio State here in 2022. It's our What We Learned edition of Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Thanks for joining us here on Monday night as we chat about the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Brendan Gulick and Craig Heisen with you, part of our coverage with Buckeyes Now, uh, Fan Nation on uh, Sports Illustrated Media Group. You can find us at BuckeyesNow.com. Certainly find us wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts in either the Apple Store, the Google, uh, Google Podcast Store, or in Spotify and several other spots. Uh, but you could certainly support the channel by subscribing to our YouTube channel and Hit the notification bell. We've already got a good live audience. We've only been live here for uh, just over a minute and a half. So thanks for joining us. And and if you have some questions or some comments along the way, we'd be happy to interact with you and and, uh, try to get some feedback on what you thought from Ohio State and Iowa. All right, Craig, this was an interesting game because there were so many maybe statistical abnormalities. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. You don't usually think that when Ohio State only has 360 yards of offense, that they'd score 54 points. <laughs> um, that's exactly what happened. I realized we had one defensive touchdown, but five offensive touchdowns and four field goals. That's a, It's a pretty darn good day against an Iowa defense that is very, very good. And I don't know, Brendan, did Ohio State play bad necessarily? I don't, I don't think they did. Did they play really good? I don't think I – quite go that far and they still put up 54 points so I don't know what that says uh in totality but uh we'll find out over these next couple weeks as the opponents get a little bit stiffer I mean we certainly didn't see them you know clinically drive into the end zone every single time certainly in the first half um but I mean maybe that's a product of who you're playing like Iowa's defense is really really good and holding Ohio State to four field goals kept them in the game a lot longer than everybody the Buckeyes have played so far this year since Notre Dame. Um, it's part of the reason why, even though they've had such an awful year offensively, why they really haven't gotten blown out in any game because they don't let anybody run away from them. So I I, I guess maybe the, the biggest place to just kind of start here is to say, look, Ohio State did a really good job of taking what the game gave them and, and there is a component of that that I guess maybe they created 
on defense, right? Like, I, I, again, I'm not trying to brag about six takeaways for the Ohio State defense. Iowa's offense is terrible, but you still forced six turnovers. That obviously helps, right? Um, and they scored repetitively off of those mistakes. So that's obviously something to hang your hat on. Yeah, we knew their offense was was not good, but holy cow, were they bad! Probably the worst, yeah, worst offense I've I've seen um, in my life. I, I kind of had the thought during the game: Are they better off just like taking a knee or like <laughs> running like <laughs> running back dives the whole time and see what the score would be? Because I don't, I'm not convinced it would have been 54 points for the Buckeyes if they just took a knee every play on offense. It's that bad. And we talked about on, uh, I think it was Thursday, it might have been Friday's show, like how bad must the backup <laughs> must be. And we saw that. <laughs> first play, he fumbles. First pass, he throws a pick. It's like, man, I, f- I feel so bad for Iowa fans that they have to watch that offense. That during the game, I kind of thought of a million-dollar idea that I have. Oh, we all love NFL Red Zone every Sunday. Red Zone so much fun to watch a red zone, but just for Iowa. So when their offense goes on the field, it automatically changes an Iowa fan TV <laughs> to over to a different game where a, it could be any game where a team is in the red zone. And then as soon as they look like they stopped, their offense is off the field, it flips it back. So you could watch Iowa special teams, which is very good, and their defense is very good. And then as soon as they go back to offense, it changes the channel. So I think I think we might be on to something. I'll, yeah. I'll co-sign on your idea, but I'm not putting my name down as a, as a primary idea guy here. I like it though. I like it, it was that it was that bad. It was. It was terrible. I mean, I I don't understand how a team can be so inept and and lack creativity. Like they struggled with some basic things. So wh- why didn't they pull out the bag of tricks? Why didn't they take any kind of deep shot down the field? I mean, I realized they didn't have a ton of time for those plays to develop, but I just felt like there were there were very few instances where Iowa was trying to get Ohio State to, to look one way and then go the other. I mean, there, there just wasn't really a lot of creativity in their play design. And maybe I'm not being fair, but that's how I saw it. I... I I'm right there with you. It was really, really hard to watch, man. When they were going three wide with three tight ends, it's like, what what are we doing here? <laughs> so I know they have two really good tight ends, but, I mean, it was it was hard to watch. But you want to get into kind of Ohio State that first half a little bit? And yeah, I mean, kind of- you know, the, the, the first half, I think the, the, the biggest takeaway, the biggest thing I learned is that, unfortunately – Ohio State is still struggling to run the football between the tackles. Now, again, it's almost like we're evaluating two different teams. An Iowa team that is elite, like literally that good on defense, and a team that is horrible on offense and a good defensive day for Ohio State, in so many regards, nobody is going to give them credit for one single positive thing they did on the national scene because they played a team that, frankly, doesn't even look like they belong on the field. But I think there's plenty of things we can take away from the opposite. When when Iowa's defense is out there, Ohio State still struggled to run the ball, and they've done that a few times now in the last year and a half where they've wanted to run between the tackles, and it hasn't worked. 
And as we get further and further down on the season, I, I don't really anticipate that Indiana or Maryland are going to be difficult or Northwestern are going to be difficult to move the ball against, you know, in between the tackles. I think Penn State's defensive line is okay. Um, Michigan's defensive line is playing really well. So we may not see a really stout test again until basically a month from now. But that's going to be problematic in the biggest games of the year if they can't move the ball on the ground when they want to. Yeah. And we, I see a couple of comments coming in, David and RK. Um, that was kind of my takeaway from, from Saturday too. I mean, it was a tale of two halves, but the third downs was incredible how bad we were on third down Saturday. Um, there was stuff in the box and we would still run it, which I see another comment. Let's let CJ audible out of that. I'm sure that's an option. I don't know. I mean, you got to trust CJ at this point with all the, the the reps that he has under his belt to see something and, and audible out of it. Um, but it, it, there was a couple times on third down where you could see they're clearly trying to stop the run, and you just got to audible out of that. And heck, at this point, just throw it up to Marvin; he's going to catch it. it. The guy's incredible. That catch he made on the right sideline, and the throw too was was phenomenal. But third down was a little bit concerning, and then. Just like you said, not being able to run the ball. I mean, I think they only had 66 rushing yards on the day. Um, and, and look, maybe some of that was because CJ was able to pick up yards through the air ultimately. But you're right. On third downs in particular, it wasn't very good. I, I guess maybe I'm even more concerned, but perhaps equally willing to take a deep breath about the fact that CJ was pretty flustered in the first half. He did not look comfortable. He he made some good plays. I'm not saying that he looked like he didn't belong on the field or or things were, you know, lost for him. Um and again, maybe we just credit Iowa's defense for giving him looks that he wasn't used to seeing or they disguised things well. He clearly was having trouble figuring out how to clinically move the ball down the field the way we've often seen them do this year. Um, he only turned it over once, made a couple of other throws that were a little questionable. There was a, there was a couple other ones that yep. should have been picked. So for sure, we saw we saw oh, some he, body he, language. You know, he only turned it over one time. Yep, we saw some body language too from CJ that we haven't really seen all year. The f clearly frustrated. Um, probably those third downs is what was kind of getting to him. That you could you could tell coming back to the sideline that. Uh, he was very upset. We haven't really seen that all year. He's usually a pretty calm, cool, collected guy. Um, but honestly, I say this half joking. My favorite play that he made Saturday was when he threw it away uh, in the fourth quarter on first and goal. And he doesn't do that often. And no. we don't have to. We're, we really don't have to to his to his defense. But um, <laughs> when he threw that away, I was like, thank thank God. Let's go. Let's just go on to the next play. You know. I. I um. I usually don't get on CJ for not running the ball. There are definitely a lot of folks, fans and media alike that are, are essentially like, Hey dude, you, you got to use your legs, figure it out, run the ball when it's open in front of you. And, and I, I guess I haven't hopped too firmly on that train, although I can certainly understand it, but there was one play in particular on a, was it like a third and seven or something? where, I mean, he had 10 yards in front of him easily, and he just refused to run. Yep. And, and his, 
his whole thing is, look, why would I run when I can throw it to guys that can go make plays the way that they do? And I, I get that, but like your job is to run the offense. And sometimes that's literally to take what the defense is giving you. And if they are not going to let you throw based on whatever play you called, if they're locking down certain things and your best option is to pick up yards with your feet, you got to be able to do it. And, and frankly, your ability to do that will force the defense to respect your ability to do that. And then you might be able to take those shots. So again, I'm, I don't want CJ to run just because he should run. Like, I don't, I don't agree with that, but gosh, there have been a few instances where you're like, dude, you, you got to take the 10 yards in front of you. Keep the drive going. I think the player referencing that third and 10 too, he had Travion in the flat wide open. He could have taken it for 40 if he caught it. And, um, but yeah, it, there's some points where it's like, man, I wish CJ would run, but I'm, I'm the same way. I'd rather dump it down and let that guy do, do the work than whether it's mine or Travion and CJ taking shots, which it's funny because the, the first play we ever saw from CJ was a 70 plus yard run, right? Wasn't it against uh, yeah Michigan State that to yeah. start it to, to start his career? So we haven't really seen him run ever since then. But um, yeah. when you can throw it like that, there's there's really no need. But um, yeah, the first half was frustrating. The answers after the game, kind of from from CJ and from Coach Day, starting in plus field position, kind of had them out of rhythm. I thought was an interesting comment. I I didn't love hearing that. It's like, hey, you're starting on the plus side of the field. Let's have some packages where we can punch it in. Yeah, like, what, is, what is that? Hey, we're too close to the end zone, so right. hard for us to call some of the things. Like, what? Come on. I didn't love. I, I didn't love hearing that, especially that they both said it. I mean, it's it's one of those things where they had three drives start inside the 35, 13 plays, twenty two yards, three field goals. Like, I know we're. I know the Buckeyes are still perfect uh, when they get in the red zone this year. Yet to not come away with points, but a couple of those you need to see seven. You do. And, and like, again, I, I don't want to be I don't want to be outrageously critical here. They scored 54 points in a game that their offense didn't look great. Right. So, like, let's pump the brakes a little bit on some of the overreaction. Um, I, I can't imagine that the Buckeyes are going to see defenses that are substantially better than Iowa this year. Like Michigan's defense is pretty good. I'm sorry, whoever they play, if if Ohio State gets to the Big Ten championship game, there has not been a defense in the Big Ten West this year that strikes any sort of fear into me, including Illinois, who's having a good year. Um, you know, if you get to the college football playoff, you're going to play a team that's having a good season. And if Ohio State runs the table, I'm of the belief that they wouldn't play Georgia because I don't think Georgia would fall to four. So – you know, Georgia's defense last year was exceptional. This year has been pretty good. Um, I don't think Clemson's better than Ohio State or Michigan. And, and I'm not particularly impressed with their defense. They're fine, but I don't look at Clemson's defense and think, man, I don't know who's going to beat them. Um, you know, and, and is it Tennessee? Tennessee's pass defense is atrocious, they're horrible. Tennessee so, reminds me a lot of us last year. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I'm I'm looking at Saturday's game as almost like, hey, this we wanted this to be a measuring stick. 
we wanted to know what could Ohio State do against an elite defense. Mm -hmm. They scored five touchdowns, scored four times on field goals, which might leave you frustrated because you want touchdowns, but that's another 12 points. And by the way, you had a defensive touchdown. And by the way, it's a team game and your defense played their butt off, even though Iowa's offense is horrible. Okay, so fine. Maybe they have an average offense and Ohio State gives up a couple of touchdowns and you win 54 to, to you know, or, or, or let's say you don't, you generate one less turnover. Maybe, maybe you win, you know, 47 to, to 21. Like that's still beating the crap out of somebody. So like, I, I'm, I feel like the people that are are looking for reasons right now to hate on Ohio State are only finding what they're looking for. Like nobody is bragging about the defensive performance against an offense that stinks. I, I don't know how else to, to say it nicely. Iowa's yeah. offense has been terrible. But Tanner McAllister made the plays that came to him. Tommy Eichenberg made the play that came to him. You know, th- those were not – well-thrown passes they still caught them um obviously one fumble was pretty awful but the other two were forced so and and on top of that i think there's something to be said for a defense that holds your opponent one for 13 on third down and and over in the entire first half uh, when the game was close and only one for four on fourth down and the Buckeye defense had five sacks and 10 tackles for loss. So, you know, I, I, again, like a good day for them, but I'm not going to go over the top because Iowa's offense stinks. Like I, I'm, I'm willing to accept that. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was offense didn't get past the 50 till the 13 minute mark in the second quarter. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I just saw a comment come in last year's defense would have gave up 21 to that offense. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, and everybody right now, across the national landscape is nitpicking Ohio State's schedule. It is what it is. I mean, they're dominating teams. So that's when your schedule's not the best, that's what you need to be doing. And that that is what they're doing. But one thing I got one thing that caught me and I, I sent this to you during the game, Brennan, was um it was the make sure I got it right. It was third quarter eleven minute mark. I think we were up sixteen. Things weren't still clicking all the way yet. And there's some some boo birds, not by all the fans Saturday, but a couple. Looks like Coach Day kind of started making its rounds on Twitter. Looks like he yelled a four letter crowd and uh, four letter word in the direction of the crowd. We're kind of living in la la land right now as Buckeye fans, where everything has been perfect offensively for a while now. Where if we don't score forty points, it's like the end of the world. And if we're not blowing somebody out, it's the end of the world. Where we need to kind of take a step back a little bit and just appreciate what we're seeing. Like when I heard people doing on Saturday, I could not believe that they were even doing that. It's like Coach Day's lost one home game in his career. It's like we've been healing 40, teams. 41 and four. <laughs> yeah. I was like, if you're a recruit sitting in the crowd and like you go home and you look that up, like, hey, how good has Coach Day been since he's been here? And you look that up and then you hear people doing at a game when they're up 16 and like about to score again. It's like, what what was that all about? So for those watching, you can look that clip up. You'll find it easily on Twitter. But I got it. I couldn't agree more when Coach Day yelled that because if I was him, I would have done the same thing. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. 
It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It was was pretty outrageous, and I don't blame him one bit. I I didn't see that part of the broadcast live, so I wasn't sure. You know, was he yelling it to the crowd? Was he yelling it to an official or somebody that was you know just off camera? I don't know. Um, I am I am caught between understanding both sides. Mm-hmm. There is an frankly, there's an unrealistic expectation this year. If Ohio State doesn't win the national championship this season feels like a colossal failure. That's not fair, but it's it's reality. They are good enough to do it. There are clearly not other teams in the country that are substantially better than them, and, and they've got both the star power and the depth to overcome some injuries and, and to, to do all the high-level things that you want to do. So – if there were ever a year where you look at this game as a fan and say, this is our year, we're going to win it all, and and we better look really good doing it, I, I understand that. I get it. But we are talking about college football where, where goofy things happen all the time. And, like, I am fully on board, you know, Death Star operational here. Ohio State is beating – the ever-living heck out of every team they play. And frankly, until they play Michigan, they're probably going to keep doing it. I really don't th- – I said this on a podcast that's going to air – we recorded yesterday on a different show, but it's going to air later this week. I don't think Saturday is going to be that close. I haven't been that impressed with Penn State. Like, they're fine. They're a good team. They're not even close to being on the same level that Ohio State's on. And and I, I just – I don't think this is only going to be a two touchdown game like uh, like the spread currently indicates. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Penn State is on the same playing field that Ohio State's on. Um, so I, I, I guess I just I look at this and think like, okay, I get the unrealistic expectations of its national championship or bust. but like from from a team perspective, as a player or as a coach, Come on, man! Like that's that's a little ridiculous, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, looking at looking at the points that this offense has put up to, I mean, forty five or more six straight games, they've scored twenty or more points in sixty eight consecutive games. If they score twenty or more against Penn State, that'll tie the all time college football record. So um, we're we're dealing with an incredible offense this year. It, it, it does kind of at this point feel like national championship or bust. It really does. Um, just don't want to see the fans <laughs> a small majority Saturday um, getting on. The small minority. It, yeah, majority. small, yeah, small minority. Thank you. Getting on the fan, uh, getting on coach day and the, and the offense Saturday. Didn't, didn't love seeing that. Um, 
but yeah, looking forward to Penn State. I kind of disagree just a little bit just because the history of that game. They've always kind of played a little bit close. Do I think they blow them out? Um, no, I think it's a little bit tighter. Uh, the one thing, and we'll get into it later this week, I'm a little bit uh, eager to see and a little bit concerned to see how our corners react to Penn State throws a lot of back shoulder um, throws. We've struggled with that, um, and Penn State does it a lot. So Sean Clifford's not not the best quarterback in the Big Ten by any means, but he's definitely serviceable. He had a good game last year, if I remember right. Um, so that that's the one key I'm going to be watching Saturday, see how our corners, which are a little bit banged up again at corner, Cam Brown, so to see how, yeah, but, how we play. Yeah, and look, J.K. Johnson wasn't really tested this weekend, but I thought he yeah. played fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, I thought Denzel played fine. Um, but again, it, it, I, Iowa doesn't seem to have a whole lot going for itself at, at the skill position spots. No, no. Um, so. Speaking of wide receivers, I've seen a bunch of comments, and this is obviously one of the biggest storylines coming out of the game. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, I've tried to think a little bit more about Coach Day's postgame comment about, you know, Jackson was on a pitch count and we just felt like it was the right time to, to sort of pull him out there anyways. You know, I, um, I get it. And I don't know if he's just saying that to protect his player or not. He very well might have been telling the truth. But I thought it was pretty obvious, especially after going back and watching it, you know, not in person because I saw it happen. I was watching Jackson that whole play. But after going back and watching the broadcast and, and watching it, he's clearly not 100%. And I, I don't want to speculate as to, like, how injured or not injured is he. You know, is it is it beyond the hamstring now? It looks like it could be. I don't know. Um, I know he's a really tough kid. I know because I, I am at Ohio State very regularly. I know the athletic training resources are literally world-class for these kids, football and, and otherwise. And if there is a way for him to rehab this thing uh, and, and get on the field as quickly as possible, I'm sure he's doing what he needs to do. And there is no expense spared in player health and safety at Ohio State. So I, I hope he's okay. You know, until we have a chance to talk to Coach Day tomorrow, we, we're just speculating at this point. Um, but it, it seemed pretty obvious to me and to a lot of folks at home that Jackson didn't look right when he when he kind of overextended on that ball. I don't know if he tweaked his hamstring again. I don't know if he might have done something to his knee or his quad when he when he planted before reaching for that ball. Um, he clearly wasn't right, though. Yep, it's almost to the point if he still looks like that this week, you just want to be extra cautious with him. Obviously, we, we want him in there, but just for his – uh, well-being long-term. I mean, obviously, he's going to be a high first-round pick in the NFL draft. I would think about holding him out till the Maryland game. I mean, at this point, if he isn't really progressing, because he did not look good, even even before that final play, just did not look right. And credit to him for trying to get get out there and give it a go with his teammates. It's probably been killing him to be sitting on the sideline. Yeah, during, I, during I, I know it's been killing him. Probably so, it, it has been. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things now. It's like, man, he, he tweaked whether it was the hamstring or something else. It's to the point now. It's like, man, we, we might have to hold him out a couple more games. I mean, again, like you want to talk about how spoiled we are. He's the best receiver on this team. And, mm-hmm. and it's pretty obvious that most of his teammates and Ryan Day feel that Jackson is probably the best player on the offense. Okay. 
And he's played three games, and he's had an extremely minimal role in each of those three games. And Ohio State's got the number one offense in the country. I mean, they're scoring 50 points a game without their best player. Who can do that? That's crazy, right? So, again, like I'm, I think that feeds into some of these just stupid high expectations for this team. Um, but some of it maybe is brought upon themselves when Ryan Day says things publicly like, we're not allowed to lose around here. And 11-2 and two last year was not a good season. Okay. You know, I mean, a lot of us feel that way, but then don't be critical. And not, not that they are, but like, don't, don't be publicly critical about, you know, the, the pressure that comes with that then. Um, but again, I, Ohio state has an embarrassment of riches right now on this offense. I mean, again, look at Travion and Mayan have not been a hundred percent all season. And I know they haven't been a run first team, they're not running the ball down everybody's throat. We've seen some pretty good rushing performances from both of those guys already this year. What more do you want? I mean, not you're not going to have four receivers have 100 yards every game and two running backs with a – you're not going to have 700 yards of offense. We're playing in the Big Ten, guys. So, you know, I, I, it's not a video game. Um, th- th- this team, in my opinion, is the most complete team – in the country. They have the best mix of elite offense and elite defense. And there are a lot of people that want to see more because they think the schedule has been too soft. Desmond Howard's one of them. I think that's stupid. Michigan's schedule is the softest schedule any power five team has played so far. Um, But I think Michigan's good. Michigan's very good. Look what they did to Penn state. Penn state doesn't stink. They're a good team. I just don't think they're an elite team. And I think Ohio state's going to beat them handily. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think you can look at the growth from one year to the next and say, Hey, the things that this defense struggled with in 2021, they don't seem to be struggling with in 2022. And a lot of it starts at the line of scrimmage because Ohio state's defensive line is playing much better. And Tommy Eichenberg's literally playing like the best linebacker in the country right now. Yeah. Lathan Ransom just popped up on the, Thorpe uh, watch list uh, today as well for best defensive back in the country. So, you know, we're not talking enough as a, as a fan base and, and media, I'll throw you in there. I'm part of the fan base, but of the job that Jim Knowles is doing, I think we need to bring it up every day. The turnaround in just one season is remarkable. Usually this thing takes a little time. It speaks to how smart um, Ohio state's defensive players are to pick up a new system this quick and play this well. And I don't care that, the national pundits will say, well, they haven't played a good offense yet until this week against Penn State. I don't care. Because last week or last year, bad offenses were putting up points and yards yeah. on us left and right. So um, just credit to the whole staff. Starts at the top, obviously. But to pick up a new scheme and run with it like this and just instill the confidence, Tommy Eichenberg, I mean, still Chambers, those guys are just flying around. Zach Harrison just played his best game as a Buckeye. And that was one thing, too, I was kind of thinking about Saturday as he was having that good game is he's kind of had an unfair kind of whatever you want to call it kind of uh, thoughts about him coming in as a highly touted freshman in the shadows of, of Bosa and Chase Young thinking he's just going to be the next guy. He's just going to roll out of bed and be, be just like them. When that's not fair to think, think about a player like that. He's his own player. 
Um, but he's really coming on now. He's going to be a, a really good NFL player probably for a long time. And he's kind of turning into a, a leader, vocal leader, because it doesn't seem like that Tom, he's the most vocal guy in the world. But what gave um, that you could see, <laughs> right? You could count how many words Tommy said in a post-game press conference, I think, on uh, your hands and feet this year. Because it's either a yeah or just a mumble. I, I literally, I, I don't remember verbatim, but somebody commented on the video that's on our channel of him mm-hmm. talking to the press afterward. Said some of the fact, <laughs> like, like, man, he really doesn't want to talk to y'all. It's like, no, he, he don't want to talk to anybody ever. And that's fine. Like, that's not, a, that's not an act. That's literally who he is. It's, you know, yeah, it's just a little, so it's a little fun. Credit, yeah, credit to Zach Harrison for really stepping up, being a leader on the, on this team. And hopefully, I think he's, our line's going to have a big week uh, this week against, against Penn State. Their line is not really anything to write home about. So it's going to be, it's going to be a big day for those guys on the line. I uh, I think that probably puts a, a pretty good bow on this. I mean, the, the reality is if Ohio State's linebackers and defensive line continue to play the way that they're playing, they are going to make it really difficult on opposing offenses to move the ball consistently. It's not to say they're never going to give up a big play. You don't have to have the number one defense in the country, guys, in order to win the national championship when you have an offense like this. A top 25 defense is going to get it done. And right now this team is way better than just top 25. Maybe they haven't played the the, the best offenses. I think everybody expected Notre Dame to be better than they were. That that hasn't panned out that way. You know, nobody's going to give Ohio State credit for the way they played against Toledo or the way they played against Arkansas State. Um, I thought Arkansas State's skill position guys had some real speed. And I still contend that through seven games, the best quarterback Ohio State has played against was Toledo's Daquan Finn. That kid's really, really good. And I I just can't imagine that he is still going to be at Toledo next year. Um, he was absolutely better than Graham Mertz and better than Spencer <laughs> Petrus. Um, he was better than all 17 guys Rutgers put out there at quarterback. Uh, and he was definitely better than what we saw from, from Peyton Thorne at Michigan State. So um, – I, I really like where the defense is right now. Jim Knowles is happy but not satisfied. Um, he's made that pretty clear when he's talked to us each week. And I, I think this team, you know, whether whether the hype at this point is manufactured or not, they're not going to stop the, the mantra that they've had all year. They're not going to stop thinking and talking about the questions they had to answer all off season about you're not tough enough. You can't stop the run. You don't deserve to be on the same field as Michigan. They heard it for, for 11 months and, and they're not going to just suddenly forget about all of those thoughts and feelings. The reality is after game number two last year, their back was up against the wall and, and they knew they could still control their own destiny if they could figure it out but there were some frustrating moments this year. They're in a position where they still control their opportunity to be a number one team in the country and to make the college football playoff. And when you have a loss on your resume, you can overcome that. We've seen it before, but you, you put your fate in the hands of decision makers. If you're an undefeated Ohio state team coming out of the big 10, you are going to the college football playoff. There, there's no debate about it. You're going to get in. So 
they they have done what they've needed to do so far this year to to avenge the frustrating feelings they've had last year. I don't think that they're suddenly going to just take their foot off the gas as they go into the uh, the stretch of the season here. Um, looking forward to this week. I I think Ohio State's going to play really well. I I think Penn State probably feels like you know giving the ball to their to their freshman running back is going to be part of their game plan. I think they're going to want to try to establish the run. I know that Ohio State and Penn State have played close games in years past. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm off my rocker. I just don't see Ohio State not covering the spread comfortably this week. I think Ohio State is at least 20 points better than Penn State. Um, we'll see if the line moves. Yep. yep. You hit it all, said it perfectly. I agree with everything you just said. Any uh, final thoughts on on this past game here? Just the – it was kind of, in a way, nice to see Ohio State struggle for just a second to see how they respond. Sure. It's not always going to be easy. Um, it was good to see uh, Ruggles make all those kicks. Cause yeah. As we've He's seen – uh, Player of the week, Noah Ruggles. Exactly. As we've seen with Alabama, I mean, how important is a kicker when you need him? So – you never know when it's going to come down to a kick, and and it was nice to get him in-game reps since he doesn't get many. So um, I think going into this week, you kind of get the bye week uh, cobwebs out of you. They kind of started slow. Credit to Iowa's defense. They caused a little bit of that. But uh, going into Penn State, Coach Day will have these guys ready. He's going to show them all the past history of, hey, Penn State, these games are always good. Last Heck, last year's game was a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. So um, – and and – Obviously, it's not the not the whiteout game, but um, it's still going to be a great crowd for Penn State, and um, looking forward to a good game. I'll answer Sue's question here on our way out. Do we put up more points on Penn State than Michigan did? Because that because because uh, you know that's going to be what we're going to be compared to, fair or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually saw somebody, and and if you want to have a real laugh, go look at some of the the Michigan uh, message board posts. They are delusional. <laughs> they, they were good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's outrageous. But somebody had made that comment, and that's why I bring that up, mm-hmm. you know, that like, hey, Ryan Day is on this mission to to beat everybody by more than Michigan beat, you know, that same common opponent. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't even know that I care what the final score is. I want Ohio State to look like the 100% obvious, convincingly better team on Saturday they got to go do it. You don't win games on paper, but I keep going back to when, when Ohio state has beaten every team this year, every single opposing coach in their post game press conference has said some way, shape or form that they have alluded to the fact that we knew we were playing a juggernaut and had to play a perfect game and we didn't do it. Um, And most of their opponents haven't even been close to doing it. So when, when when you are trying to evaluate how well a team is playing and if you're not sure exactly what your eyes are telling you, listen to what the, the coaches are saying of the teams that are going up against Ohio State. They're not going to put anything inflammatory out there, but when you go get whacked by somebody and you got to eat some humble pie in front of the media after the game – I think you're understanding that there are a lot of people around the country that are proud of the programs they run 
that are looking at Ohio State and saying, that's the measuring stick this year. This is the team that everybody is going to have to try to knock off. And maybe they don't win the national title, but they are without question good enough to do it. Um, and I will be very, very interested to see if uh, if the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game gets consideration for a college football playoff spot. Because right now, I, I think Ohio State is substantially better than Michigan, but Michigan is playing really, really good football. And if that's a close game, and we can talk about this another time, but if that's a close game, I think there is an argument to be made for the loser of that game if it's their only loss of the season – to, to seriously be considered for a, a playoff spot. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that show down the line. That'll be a good debate. We'll see. We'll have more uh, results under our belt, and hopefully we finally see two Big Ten teams get in the playoff and not uh, the SEC love fest that ESPN loves to have. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. All right, BuckeyesNow.com for all the latest, including the information that came out today. The Ohio State-Northwestern game is a noon kick Eastern time, 11 a.m. Central time, uh, in Evanston, Greater Chicago. That's coming up, obviously, a week from Saturday. But uh, the Buckeyes are playing a bunch of noon games here in a row after some night games early in the year. Um, frankly, I prefer noon games. I think that's great. So good to see uh, Good to see that that's the case, and that will be an ABC game uh, in Northwestern. So BuckeyesNow.com for all the latest. Thanks for uh, joining us. We had a great audience tonight, almost 70 people still here at the end of the show. Uh, we really appreciate you guys subscribing to the YouTube channel and interacting with us. This is, frankly, it's it's fun for Craig and I, uh, but it's it's fun for us to be able to interact with you guys and hear your thoughts and concerns and feelings on the team because many of them we share, and the ones that we don't, we'd love to, to debate those with you. So thanks for jumping in and having some fun with us. If you're listening to this after the fact, please know that you can join us live. Uh, we go live most days here on the channel. All right, for Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick. Look forward to seeing you again. We've got a chance to hear from Coach Day tomorrow, and uh, I imagine we'll hear from at least one other coach and a couple of players coming up here this week as well. So stay tuned to uh, our channel here for all the latest. Go Bucks.